Welcome to the Sharing Life Ministries Sermon of the Week. We hope that you were blessed by this message from Pastor Lawrence Romali. Good morning. Today is part two of our series on discernment. Last week we read from Philippians chapter 1, and I want to read Paul's prayer to us again, starting in verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. See that. Love abounds, but it's love with knowledge and all discernment knowledge and understanding so that you may approve what is excellent so, and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Love with knowledge and discernment leading to the ability, it leads us to the ability to approve what is excellent, to make what are godly decisions. That's our goal. Not just make the right decision, not just not make the wrong decision, but to approve what is excellent. what is excellent, what God has for us. Love with knowledge and discernment. It's what we're learning about and what we want to do. So just to review, to discern is to decide or to understand, to determine to separate between what is good or beneficial and what is not. And to take it even deeper, to discern is to determine what God has for us and what he doesn't. Just because something isn't bad or sinful doesn't mean that it's what God has for us. We want what is excellent, what he wants for us. And we will get deeper and deeper into that truth as we go on. Typically, we use our senses or our soul to discern, to decide. But Holy Spirit, living in us, working in us, guides us and directs us. We would be wise to obey him. It's important that we know what Holy Spirit has to say. What does God want? The world says, I have all that I need to run my own life. I take care of myself. The world is self-reliant. But we're to trust and rely on God. Not on ourselves, not on our flesh, not on our senses. 
I shared last week that we are made up of a body or our flesh, our soul, and a spirit. Our soul is our will, our emotions, intellect, imagination, and memory. Our will is the power that the mind has over its actions. And I gave you an assignment last week. I asked you to spend some time during the week examining yourself, looking at how you make decisions, how you discern, what you rely on to discern. I told you that we make 35,000 decisions every day, conscious decisions, often without putting much thought into them. But something in us has the authority to make those decisions. What has the authority in your life? What have you given authority to? Your intellect, your flesh, your emotions, your imagination or memory or your will? Or have you succeeded in living by your spirit? I want to be realistic here. We will never be fully guided by our spirit. Never. It's a process. We will continually grow and grow and grow. But we can take major steps in that direction. God gave us our bodies. He gave us our senses, our sight, smell, sound, touch, taste. God doesn't want us to get rid of our senses. But he wants to redeem them. And he wants our senses to be subject to our spirit. He wants our flesh to be subject to our spirit. So that our spirits lead, our flesh, our senses, our intellect, come in under it. They submit to our spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, we read this. But I say, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. In this chapter, Paul writes of the fruit of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. The fruit, the byproduct, the result of living either a fleshly life or a spirit-led life. Our flesh Our flesh typically opposes our spirit. It must be brought into alignment or agreement with our spirit. How do we do that? It's difficult because often we don't even realize that there is a problem. Never mind know how to fix it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul writes, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one receives the prize. So run that you may obtain it. Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. 
They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. So it takes discipline, self-control, training, work. Well, why didn't I say so? That changes everything, right? Suddenly, I'm not so interested. Discipline, self-control. It's not something that we're excited to sign up for. But Paul says, I discipline my body and keep it under control. Lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. I discipline my body. He relates it to a race. In effect, Paul is saying, don't just talk the talk, walk the walk. Don't miss the prize that perhaps you're leading others to. In other words, don't deceive yourself into thinking that you can have your sin, your rebellion, and Jesus too. Because you can't. Too often we walk that way. Paul says that he beats his body. In some translations it says that uh, he beats his body and makes it his slave. What does that mean? How do I do that? Is he talking about physically beating our body? No. He's talking about discipline, self-control. And it's a process. One step at a time. It means saying no to my flesh. And those of us that have children, and you say no to a small child, we know what that looks like. It's not pretty. And how often do we, even as adults, do the same thing? I want what I want. And I am going to have a fit if I don't get it. Discipline, self-control, saying no to my flesh. If you read on in Galatians chapter 5, you will see that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So if you belong to Jesus Christ, it is there. But like a muscle, you have to build it up. Like a tool, you have to use it. Not just making excuses. Not just saying that you can't. That you're a work in progress and that, well, God understands. And all the while, feeding your flesh more and more and more. Jesus didn't die on the cross so that you can continue living the way that you have always lived. He died on the cross so that your life could be redeemed, changed, restored, so that you could look and live like him.
like we were originally designed to live. That's possible. Paul relates it to a race. The racers go into strict training. When do you think they began to train? Not when the gun goes off. No, they have been training for months, years, so that when there is an opportunity to race, they're ready. And how do we do that? Well, first, we need some understanding. Last week, when you looked at how you make decisions, when you considered the voice that you were listening to, what did you discover? What did you discover? Well, if you did it, if you did that exercise, now you know who your enemy is. Now you know what you have to be aware of. Hopefully you learn something about yourself. Now bring self-control and discipline into that area. Bring Holy Spirit into that area. Confess it to God. Lord, I give you my intellect. Or Lord, I give you my emotions. Lord, I give you my past experiences, my imagination, or whatever it is for you. Then get someone else involved. And this is a good opportunity to pray and ask God who he would want that to be. A training partner, if you will. Someone that you are willing to be open with. James 5.16 says, Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. James is speaking here of physical healing, but it applies to our soul as well. Confess to one another. Bring the issue out into the light. We typically want to keep things hidden so that no one knows our issues or sees what we're working on or where our struggle is. Like we've got it all together. The problem is, if no one sees where we struggle, we rarely truly work on it. Am I right? We, we tend to work harder at hiding our behavior than we do at changing it. So find someone who will hold your feet to the fire. Someone who will ask the tough questions. And remember, this isn't just about bad or sinful behavior, though it could be. It's about hearing from God clearly and being obedient in all your decisions. So it might be, it might bring clarity about how you serve at church. Do you just say yes to everything and then find yourself overwhelmed and worn out? Where does God want you to serve? Are these all good things? Each opportunity, are they good? Probably. But what does God say? Perhaps it's about sharing your faith or praying for someone. Are we obedient or are we doing our own thing? 
Are we serving or praying in the way that he would have us serve or pray? We need to listen to the spirit and not do it our own way. Perhaps it's the friends you have. Are you quickly best buds with everyone who comes across your path? Who does God want you to be friends with? Who is good for you? Who will grow you? Who is a threat to your walk? Who's taking up all your time? Do you want to help or rescue everyone that you come in contact with? Who is God calling you to help? And how? Perhaps God is teaching them about being responsible with their money or their resources. And here you are bailing them out. We want to join God in what he's doing, not work against him. And if you stop and ask, he will tell you. Second, we need to slow down. Slow down. When we make decisions spontaneously, spur of the moment, we allow no time for Holy Spirit to speak to us. Take time to pray, to consider, to weigh the options. Remember the definition of discern, to distinguish, separate, determine. These, these things take some time. Slow down. Third, consider all the options. Often when we are presented with a decision, we quickly see just one or two options and off we go. Take a deep breath. Take a deep breath. Go back to number two. Slow down. Ask yourself what what are my options here? There are probably more than you think. And if you let things play out a little bit, not only will you find out that there are more options than you expected, but the right one may become clearer. Slow down. Consider your options. Fourth, ask Holy Spirit. Lord, what do you want me to do? There may be an option that appears to be so clear to you. To you. But it is not what God wants you to do. And it's at times like this that I have to remind myself that God is good and his ways are always perfect. When God tells me what to do, I never have to stop and ask him if he's sure. Lord, are you sure about this? Because I was thinking this would be a better option. It sounds ridiculous when we say it like that, but it's often what we do. If God says it, then I want to do it. As you step out and grow in discernment, the ask your Holy Spirit option will move to the top of your list because you will have mastered the other things. They will be submitted to the Holy Spirit. But until the other stuff submits, 
you will struggle to know what to do. Holy Spirit has to work its way up, move to first, become a priority. That means that through discipline and perseverance in discipline, the others become less of a priority and move down. So this week, if you haven't determined how you make decisions, I encourage you to do that. If you have, then begin to identify when you are relying on that in your daily life. And try to identify when you have the hardest time resisting your flesh, your will, your intellect, your emotions, imagination, or memory. Perhaps it's when you're tired, or when you're stressed, or when you're hurried. Perhaps it's when you're around others who do the same thing. There's nothing like being in a group of people who operate out of their intellect, figuring things out, playing out each scenario, and watch them all together play it all out. Or a group of people that are all about operating out of their emotions, and they feed off of each other and become more and more emotional. Ask Holy Spirit, who do you want me to be with that helps me to learn to operate in other areas of my life? Sometimes we struggle with making a decision in those situations where we just don't know what to do. It goes beyond our intellect, our emotions, our experience. We have no idea what to do. And perhaps it's when you're in a situation that's very common to you. And you always do it a certain way. Think about these things. Where do I struggle? How do I bring Holy Spirit in? Regardless, knowing why you do things and when you do things is the key to making some changes. Encourage one another. Hey, let's stop and pray about this. Let's seek the leading of the Holy Spirit. Every evening, review your day and ask yourself, what happened today that I need to bring the Holy Spirit? Or what decisions are coming up tomorrow? Or in the morning, how about this? Holy Spirit, what do I need to be aware of today? What do I need to watch out for? What adventures do you have coming up for me? What decisions are looming ahead? When we walk with a new awareness, the door is open for new ways of handling things. New ways of making decisions. We are being intentional and intentionally turning to God first. Then we see the fruit of Paul's prayer. 
Philippians chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. Paul says, it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. It's a beautiful prayer. Let's make it ours. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you and praise you that you equip us. You give us everything we need. But we have to take hold of it. We have to use it. We have to make what's unredeemed, un, what hasn't submitted yet fully to you, we have to make it submit. And it takes discipline and self-control. And you give us that too. So Lord, fill us with love and give us knowledge. Grow us in discernment that we will approve what is excellent. We want what you have for us. We want to choose what is excellent. And Lord, we indeed do want to be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Lord, let our our lives, let our lives in every way bring glory and praise to you. Holy Spirit, rise up as we dig into this. Lead us, grow us, shape us, refine us, make us look like Jesus This is your desire for us. We know that when it's our desire, when we desire what you desire for us, good things are going to happen. And we want it. So come, change us, Lord. Change us for your glory. We thank you and we praise you for all that you're going to do and all that you have done and all that you are doing. In Jesus' powerful name, amen. Thank you for listening. Sharing Life Ministries is located at the Life Center, 48 West 2nd Avenue, Ridgely, West Virginia. Or follow us on Facebook.